0: How's it going, guys? Welcome to the StoryWorks podcast, where we talk all things story-centric. That's movies, TV, games, stories, scripts, all of the like. I am your host, Zach Gosen, and besides me is my fantastic co-host, Andrew Hall. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing wonderful, man. Doing really good. Watched a couple great movies this weekend.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) We watched some crazy movies this weekend. Which is what we're going to be talking about. We've got um, one of my favorite modern storytellers and directors and writers as the subject of our episode today, Robert Eggers.
1: The great man himself, yes.
0: I know this was your first experience in general watching a Robert Eggers film, two Robert Eggers
1: films. Yes, yeah. I haven't seen The Witch yet. Yeah. But we watched The Lighthouse and The Northman. And uh, yeah, I'm just blown away. He's like one of the... Best modern directors that I've seen. I
0: I'm glad that uh, he had that impression on you. It was definitely really fresh watching, like a fresh take watching these movies. Because like I, we were talking about this the other day, we watch a lot of Marvel content. Yes, we watch a lot of Star Wars content. Yep. <laughs> which you know we love these stories. We follow these stories for a reason. Oh, most
1: definitely, yeah. But but there's something different when it's. Something that's, like, so deeply cinematic right. and—how uh, do I say it? Like, it, it's just—the storytelling is so much different. The way uh, everything is shot exactly. and everything is done is just—
0: Sometimes, I mean, it's just, like— in recent Marvel days, you get kind of lost in the VFX and, yes. uh, you know, in <laughs> the green Everything screens. is just one
1: big... It's, you know, how we were talking about, like, with the Star Wars movies. Like, right. They're just shot in these, like, big green green spaces. But, like, you know, the lighthouse literally shot on a tiny island in Nova Scotia that they built the lighthouse on. It's
0: insane. I mean...
1: Did he he bought a plot of land to shoot the Northmen as well, did he not? Or is that
0: I'm pretty sure yet well to build the sets. Yeah. Because there were at least two big set pieces that they built up, maybe three or so, like the villages and stuff. Um And that's the stuff I absolutely love to see. Um so Robert Eggers got his start in twenty fifteen. When he did The Witch, which you said you haven't seen that one yet. I've only seen it once, and it was kind of closer to when it came out. Okay. So I'm a little bit hazy on it. But the things that stuck out to me the most about that movie are the things that I, I love him for to this very day. Yeah. It's the historical accuracy. Uh, it's his love to delve into research and, and how much he puts that into his work. Um that just carries on so heavily throughout everything that he makes it's
1: it's not even it's almost like you're not even watching a movie. It's like you're being transported into that space and time,
0: exactly, man. and that's that's exactly what he wants. Like he's talked about that several times. He's like, if if I can make you feel like you are in in this world, if if you're looking at a painting, an eighteenth century painting, I want to make you feel like you're actually there.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, absolutely, you know, when I watched The the Lighthouse, it, it felt like you were in the 1800s, just like on this tiny rock in the middle of nowhere going insane.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> watching The Lighthouse, or The Northmen, mm-hmm. uh, It feels like you're in these crazy spaces in East, like, you know, We'll talk about the Northmen in a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, just like the the spaces that they put you in, it just makes you fe- it makes it feel so real,
0: for sure. And that's because you're there, man. Yeah, he gets those locations. Uh, he's not using green screens. He's mm-hmm. making sure he's exactly where he wants to be. He's he's a director that it seems like he he very much has a solid vision for everything, and he executes it.
1: Perfectly. He knows what he wants to do exactly he goes out there and he gets it
0: exactly um, so it's really interesting to look at these two films because the lighthouse was an eleven million dollar budget, so still smaller you know it was a twenty four that helped him produce mm-hmm. that um and then the Northman was a ninety million dollar budget which is insane. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the witch was around four million, so he has just skyrocketed. skyrocketed. could
1: you imagine like your first movie you make on, comparatively to your third movie, you make on like pennies. For real. <laughs> Obviously, you know, $5 million is not pennies. Right. But I mean,
0: compared to, compared you to know, big Hollywood dollars. budgets. Like, yeah.
1: You know, you think of like Marvel movies or Star Wars movies where they have like hundreds of millions of dollars of budget.
0: Right. And that's the thing with those is that so much of it's just going into that green screen. Mm-hmm. You know? I know the Northman had a lot of VFX as well, but they were placing those on top of the, the real life locations. Yes. So I really appreciated that. But uh, I want to dive into the lighthouse particularly first because we're going to kind of see what he does with this smaller creative budget, kind of discuss that. And then... You know, move on to what he did with all of this huge budget that he got and, and how that experience was as a storyteller trying to get his vision made. Um, so starting with The Lighthouse.
1: I'll go ahead and drop a spoiler warning here.
0: Yeah, so um, it's definitely spoiler time.
1: Spoiler We're
0: going to be getting into some
1: spoilers. It's spoiler time. Spoiler
0: time. If you don't want to be spoiled, I really suggest you leave.
1: And honestly, this is a movie that like you you should experience blind. So like yeah, for sure. if you haven't seen it, you should definitely endeavor to see it. It's.
0: I'm gonna put a trigger warning there too, though, because it's definitely uh, deals with some. It's it's pretty disturbing. Uh, there's some heavy heavy themes that he's hitting really hard. Very in this very
1: kind of sexual themes. Um,
0: isolation madness um, there's some crazy imagery in here so just a little bit of a warning but I, I mean I I loved this thing you know there, it was a, a complete vision um, and he nailed it from the start so I, I would definitely see say go watch this thing especially if you're interested in the processes that we've been talking about and how this director works and how historically accurate he is
1: if you are the kind of person who likes watching movies about, you know insanity, or if you're into like any kind of like almost like Eldritch, but not, yeah. <clears throat> not necessarily like craftian. Yeah. But just like the 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 fears that develop in isolation and For sure. the things that come along with that, I really do recommend you check this movie out.
0: Absolutely. So uh, with that, we're going to kind of get into this and talk a little bit about the production, about the story, about Robert Eggers' process as a writer and a director. Um, like I said, we're, we're looking at an $18 million budget on this thing. And they ended up making $18 million in the box office. Wait, did I say 18 twice? Yeah.
1: So they, they, had, a t- oh. <laughs> they
0: had an $11 million there budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they made $18 million at the box office. So this, this movie did pretty good. Um, for for what they made it with, which it deserves that you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, it took me a while to see this movie, but I it was so much hype around it, especially
1: you know? for it like for doing so well, for it being like kind of like an art piece in terms Straight of up. like movies that came out like around that time. Right. Uh, it definitely feels like something completely different.
0: For sure, and
1: I, and kind of you know you'd think that that might draw people away from watching it Mm -hmm. but no it it definitely sucked people in because it was so unique
0: and i think it it sucks people in that are like-minded with with robert eggers you know he he has been on record saying several times that he finds nothing interesting about modern day yeah (laughs) he's never going to make a movie that takes place now maybe he'll explore the future i haven't heard him talk about that but i know he he loves he just loves the past diving into the past and diving into research, um, which is really cool. So in something that you told me, this this story wasn't completely original. I know originally his um, brother came to him wanting to write, like, a ghost story in a lighthouse. Yeah,
1: a ghost story in a lighthouse. That was, like, the idea.
0: That was the very first, you know, seed planted in Robert's brain.
1: And then, yeah, they found out about this, like, real-life story of, uh, like, two uh, lighthouse workers who— mm-hmm got like stormed in one one like during like one of their shifts or whatever. Mhm. And one of the uh lighthouse workers died of an illness like during their like time stuck there. Right. And the other lighthouse men uh didn't want to like he was like, "Oh no, I'm going to get like blamed for his death." Right. So he put him in a coffin and then put him outside. And during the storm, like, it was such an intense storm that it ripped the body out of the coffin. Like, it just destroyed the coffin. And when he finally went out to see, he saw the body was gone and it, like, drove him insane.
0: That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And it definitely fits in with some of the things that we see in this movie. Definitely
1: some parallels to be drawn. I think both of the lighthouse men in, like, the the actual real-life event Mm -hmm. were named Thomas Right. Okay. And uh, both characters in the lighthouse are named Thomas. Yeah, you come to find that about probably I don't know midway, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, from there he just he he dived into the 18th century um, research, you know, the dialect that came with it. Yeah. That he had William Dafoe perform and and, uh, Robert Pattinson as well. I really loved. William Defoe's dialect in this, and, and how just outstandingly he nailed
1: it, man. Yeah, um, it, it, you know, it's always a pleasure to see Defoe on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, he always dominates like every role he's in. Um, don't, just tell brings, don't, don't tell Harry. Don't tell Harry. Just brings like such a power, just like a. Um, I like he. I feel like he being on set with William Defoe like ups like the energy of everybody around him oh absolutely he he brings out the best in everyone and yeah and he's such
0: a legend but it's not even in a um it's not even in a what do i want to say intimidating way for like other people to be on set because he's such a nice guy and he's so dedicated to this being an art and, and just hearing him talk in interviews about these movies he's worked on with eggers He's just so kind and thoughtful, and so he he talks about the process in such an educated manner.
1: He's such like a like tra- like classically trained actor, and everything like exactly. That. And I think he just really respects like the amount of like research and dedication and effort that Eggers puts into his like movies when he starts planning them out.
0: Exactly, and they he contacted Eggers after seeing The Witch.
1: Can you imagine
0: being a small-time director and William Defoe just, hey, let's get some lunch. Oh my God, that's crazy. Like, uh,
1: it would be. It's
0: like a dream come like, what, true. Like, what would you do? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll take lunch. Yes. Yeah. So, so that was fantastic, and Robert Pattinson absolutely killed his yes, role. you
1: know when I say that when I say that William Defoe like dominates the roles he's in. Robert Pattinson is still, you know, incredible. He, the character that he plays is a very conflicted character with a troubled past, and he he pr- portrays it like excellently.
0: For sure, and and so ominously because so much of this movie is open to your interpretation.
1: You see it through the lens of Robert Pattinson's character,
0: right? But and everything, he's the one. I mean, he's going mad.
1: Yeah. He, you know, like I said, you're seeing it through his lens and he's not a trustworthy narrator, like a observer or whatever. So, you know, you're not sure what scenes you're seeing that are real and what's a figment of his imagination. What's his madness?
0: The whole thing is a trip, man. It's a fever dream. And I love that. Right? (laughs) It's it's amazing. Um, Really cool to see these actors working together, uh, especially with how different um, their approaches to acting are, yeah. like you said, William Dafoe, very um, um, classically trained. Uh, lots of theater, so he likes his rehearsals. He likes to know exactly what he's doing, and he likes to practice it over and over again. Yeah. Robert Pattinson is a very I'm going to show up, and I want to surprise you. I want to show you something you haven't seen before. I want to
1: become the character exactly in my own way.
0: I want to see, I want to see Thomas Wake react to. To me, Winslow or, yeah, or yeah. Um, Thomas Howard, yeah. who we turn out he, he turns out to be, I want to see him react to my genuine performance. I want to see his genuine reaction, not something planned. So very interesting dynamic with these two guys, you know.
1: And it plays out very well.
0: So well, the
1: chemistry between them on set just is so good.
0: For sure, and and you know, it almost works because their dynamic as characters is that the older character, Thomas Wake, William Defoe. Very, very, you know, I'm in charge. I am the power figure here over Robert Pattinson's character and him being a younger actor. I don't know. There's just something about that.
1: It adds. That just adds to it. Yes, exactly. Very much so.
0: Um, So not only are all of these things great, but getting into some more technical aspects and how they filmed this thing um, and going back to how you were saying it really stuck out from the other movies coming out at the time. He made some awesome artistic choices, you know, uh, choosing black and white to really put you back there.
1: Filming it on authentic uh, old school camera equipment.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, Jaron Bleschka was, uh, the, the DP for this and actually he was the director of photography for the witch and the Northman. So, you know, him and Robert kind of have yeah. a connection,
1: um, oh, good they duo.
0: right. They chose to shoot this in, in black and white using 35 millimeter negative orthochromatic film. So we're looking at it like really – it, it really brings out like the grimy kind of yeah. crusty look. That's what they used to describe it that they were going for. Um, it's like the darker facial tones and it real—it gets every groove in your yes, face. You can you know? see
1: all the pock marks. Right. And- Every pore on the skin and was
0: so effective, especially for for Thomas Wake and, oh, and yeah. his look in the film. Oh
1: man, just by the end of it, man, he's look he looks so grimy and Bro, oh
0: my gosh, dude. Yeah, once we really get to the yeah, end, dude, yeah. wow.
1: <laughs> it oh my gosh,
0: this movie's insane. But yeah,
1: just to shoot it, an
0: amazing choice.
1: Yeah, to shoot it on that kind of equipment,
0: and you're making they what they're doing is they're making their own job harder, and they're here for it, and they love it, and yeah. I respect that as a filmmaker myself, so much.
1: Just goes to like you know, more to the point of like Robert Eggers like is all about like trying to be as like period accurate as possible for his mm-hmm.
0: pieces. Exactly. He he strives for the exact vision he wants and he gets it and it doesn't matter how hard it's going to be. Um so using thirty five millimeter film while filming in Nova Scotia in these horrendous conditions with waves Crashing up on the white lighthouse. All the rain you see in there is practically real. Yeah. All of these waves that are almost crashing to the 70-foot height of this lighthouse that they constructed.
1: It's, it's real. Insane.
0: That's stuff that they were dealing with and every they day. they for it. Right. Um, and those shooting conditions can really help to immerse you, especially... Oh, Yeah. I mean, these guys are base are miserable in this. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? For sure. They They're are like, miserable characters. I
1: mean, wouldn't you be? You're on exactly. A, you're on a tiny rock in the middle of Nova Scotia.
0: Exactly, and they they use that setting so well for that. So I mean, another thing with filming on the 35 millimeter, they they used all vintage lenses. Okay. So we're talking like 1950s. <laughs> I think even like a 1930s lens... That's crazy. ...was incorporated. Um, and with that, there was so much that they had to take in, like, keep into consideration with with lighting, right? Because this negative film, these vintage lenses, it's dark as shit. They had to shit. have
1: everything be, like, blown out bright.
0: Exactly. So, like, that that candlelight that's just enough to illuminate um, William Defoe and Pattinson... Is like probably blinding them. You know what it's, I mean? Like
1: It's insane. And they're just taking it. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so with all of these things into consideration, they had to plan that with building this lighthouse up. When they constructed this thing, oh, I didn't even mention the aspect ratio.
1: Oh, yeah. The, they the they went with a
0: square aspect ratio. Yeah. Which, I mean, some people look at that and they're just like, he's trying to be artsy. But like do you, you could tell how effective that it, was.
1: It makes you feel more claustrophobic.
0: Exactly, and that's exactly how you're supposed to feel. Isolated, trapped. Yeah, and it also makes you wonder what's 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 just lying off frame. You know what I mean? What's in those little spaces that I can't see?
1: Makes the mind wander.
0: Once we start to dive into madness a little bit, you start to wonder like what is going on. Um, So I, I thought that was incredibly effective, and it. Not only, it just adds to the cinematography and it adds so much to the mood yes, of this thing. Yes,
1: absolutely. When you're f- watching this movie and you just see them sitting in these like, in this dark lighthouse as they're, like, putting their belongings down, mm-hmm. it just feels miserable.
0: Right. <laughs> you're you're no, like, you're this exactly sucks. Right. That first dinner <laughs> that they have um, with uh, Robert Egg- Eggers, no, Robert Pattinson's character. Um it's just such an interesting progression because it's really the same day kind of played over mm-hmm. and over again with, like, different power dynamics. Yes. Um, so at first, it's it's really it, – it starts out kind of normal, but it's just like, wow, we're stuck on this fucking rock here together. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, He's got to deal with his old guy's traditions, you know, Thomas Wake's characters. so,
1: yeah. He uh, tries to make them drink at the dinner table, and Mm -hmm. Pattinson is, you know, no, I don't want to. It's against the rules. Yeah. And I don't want my pay docked. Right. Um, And, yeah, it's just – there's definitely, like, a dynamic that they set up pretty early on of, like, uh, Thomas Wake, Willem Dafoe's character – having this hold of power over to, over Robert Pattinson's character.
0: Very, that's a, a during, very strong During theme. the,
1: like, at least during, like, the daytime, and then around, you know, the dinner table time, he tries to be his friend. Right. Tries to talk him up.
0: The alcohol comes out.
1: Yep. And uh, it's just a really interesting dynamic to see him do both sides of that coin.
0: right. Yeah, it, and there's even more sides of that going. We're, we're like talking more like a, a sided, D20 yeah. almost. <laughs> <laughs> with with how crazy these performances get, man. Um, once the alcohol starts, you know, this well, movie... I mean,
1: we the, haven't even... Before the alcohol even, we didn't even talk about The Mermaid.
0: Yeah. It, honestly, the weirdness starts off pretty quick. Yeah, as soon as he finds it's his room. It's
1: literally like, yeah, they... There's like that opening shot of them like holding their belongings. Right. They go inside, and as they're like putting their stuff down, Robert Pattinson's character Robert Pattinson's character sees like a little hole cut into his bed. Yep. Reaches in, and he finds this like scrimshaw of a mermaid.
0: Like a wooden carving, almost.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's you know, bare breasted, mm-hmm. and uh, he pockets it. Right. And uh, later on, that mermaid comes back to uh, become a part of the plot. A
0: pretty big part of the plot, yeah. So when I first saw this thing, you know, I'm thinking curse. This is a curse statue, but it gets so... It's very psychosexual is the term because it's more so we start diving into what is isolation doing to this guy? And we start to see more themes of, of sexuality pretty quickly start making their way into the film yes, as these guys so. are stuck on this rock together.
1: I think it's even like – is it the first night when he sleeps that he uh, has the, like, the dream of the mermaid or I, is it
0: – I think – well, I think it might be the first night that he walks into the water and sees her for the yeah, first time and he also sees yeah. Winslow, the back of Winslow's head. Above the water yeah, for the first time, yeah. and then just under the water, we see the siren, this mermaid, swimming around,
1: and uh, beautiful but terrifying.
0: But straight up, most definitely. Um, has
1: has gills. Yeah. Uh, scales.
0: Right. And then. And a the shriek. Yeah, yeah, dude. No, that was that part was it had me shook for sure. Um, we move on to – then the alcohol is introduced and it really just day by day starts getting out of control. The the delve – the best way to describe this movie is just a complete spiral into madness.
1: Yes. I think that's a good way to describe
0: it. I mean if you want to get as plain and simple as you can, that that's yeah, what it I is. Mean, but then there's all bones, of the yeah. subtext too. Mm-hmm. That's what you start kind of looking into.
1: What is this lighthouse? What is the light? Exactly. Because you know, – to go back to that power dynamic,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, the rules for the lighthouse mm. uh, state that like you have to alternate shifts on keeping an eye on the light right. up, up in the light room. But Thomas Wake, Willem Defoe's character, uh, doesn't doesn't share uh, privileges.
0: That's my light, <laughs> you see. I'm
1: the only one who tends the light, ye dog.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, dude. The dog, the dog dynamic. Heavy, heavy themes. Very big foreshadowing immediately.
1: Um, But so you're left to wonder what's in this light.
0: Yeah, it's like this kind of mystical, like, I don't even know. It's just a, it's just a curiosity. One
1: one night as uh, Thomas, or as Winslow, rather, Thomas Howard, Robert Pattinson's character, is uh, like checking some crab traps. Mm-hmm. He uh, finds, on his way back to the lighthouse, he looks up and he sees Willem Dafoe's character in the light room, mm-hmm. fully nude. Cheeks out. Just up there.
0: William's got cheeks. Dafoe's got cheeks. He's, so got, I'll tell he's you. got
1: cheeks. He, he, do <laughs> <clapping>. <laughs> he do be clapping. He do be clapping.
0: Jesus Christ, dude.
1: Winslow, I'm trying to tend the light. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but I'm dummy thick. Yes, yes. Oh my god. Um but so it's like it the lighthouse, the light itself almost becomes this object of desire. Yes, very much so.
0: It's almost it's like a sexual desire. There's there's definitely something going on there with that. And being that this theme with Robert Pattinson you know, straight up, you're gonna see this man jack off at least like two, maybe three times. Yes. In this movie, it's it's almost becomes a big like a look into suppressed homosexuality. Yes. And of course, we're not saying that that's there's there's nothing wrong with that. Oh no, absolutely. Thematically but in just this period. And yeah, I mean, in this time, when you look at sailors, men who are stuck at sea and they're only around men mm-hmm. most of their lives. I mean, this can really turn into something that festers within you. Yes, so these are things so. that have been looked at with Robert Pattinson's character because when he, we start to experience these things, you know, he's he's sexually inclined about this mermaid, but that's not wholly a woman, you yeah, know? It's and just... he's almost more infatuated with the fish parts, yeah. you know, with the mermaid's tail, with the yeah, gills. Yeah. Um it's like his love at sea is almost from from a couple things that I've heard is is combining with his
1: Suppressed, pent up sexual desires.
0: Exactly. Um, And a lot of that kind of ties into when you you find out that he murdered the Winslow character. Yes, you find out that. And kind of fled.
1: Ephraim Winslow is not his name. Exactly. He's actually Thomas Howard.
0: That's when we figure out that he is, yeah.
1: And he, uh, does he kill uh, Ephraim Winslow or does he just simply not aid him? I believe I think he frames it as he doesn't aid him, right, like he just sits he doesn't there he just watch watches him
0: die, but I think I think they showed a spear or something though, or
1: I think yeah, I mean I don't know I don't think they say exactly what
0: right. happened to him,
1: just that he died
0: it could be open to some interpretation that they might have been lovers though and uh, and yes. suppressing himself further wins or thomas. Howard uh, could have murdered him, or even if he did just let him die.
1: It could have just been... He could have
0: had something with that. Yeah, um, oh, for sure. Because as, as the movie progresses, we see William Defoe's character even struggling with with some kind of suppressed, or maybe, I don't know. I mean,
1: you definitely see William Dafoe right. jerking off in the lighthouse room.
0: Right. There's a lot of jerking off in this movie, guys. It's,
1: it's very, it, I mean...
0: It should be called the Jerk House.
1: I. They literally describe the lighthouse in the script as like an erect penis.
0: That I didn't know until you told me that. So that even like pushes like, it yeah. in even more. I thought this was gonna be just like a curse. like no yeah it, curse into madness movie, but mm-hmm. it, it it turns kind into of...
1: this whole deep thing about sexual repression exactly and, and madness.
0: Dude, the the scene where like because what they eventually find out. You know their shift is done. It's time to get the fuck off of this rock. Their shift doesn't come.
1: Yeah. Uh, like
0: in the story, it's based off of.
1: It it never arrives, and whether big storm it, it's starts left, brewing, it's left up to interpretation whether or not uh, Thomas Wake Willem Dafoe's character like planned for this by getting them both like blackout drunk the night before.
0: Right. When they're, do, you know, they're singing, they're having a great <laughs> time that night, like they're buddy-buddy. Finally, buddy. he
1: gets them to crack and like start drinking and they just get – you know, he gives them like five shots in like 30 seconds. Right. And then yeah. they just start dancing and everything. And then, yeah, they wake up and it, no boat.
0: I didn't even think about that. That's actually a really interesting observation. I, I just like these guys are just celebrating. But, no, I can totally see that because there's some weird – like you said, the control thing, yeah, I, like yeah. I don't think I don't think Wake's character even wants to to he to doesn't leave want to leave no how he's in, you know?
1: he's in love with the lighthouse and he right he can't leave it. It's right. like a in like a serious like infatuation yes
0: absolutely man. um so we see that the alcohol madness really start to dive after they find out nobody has come for them. This storm's brewing. Because it's bad luck to kill uh, kill a seabird, <laughs> as William Defoe says. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's one scene we didn't go over. Robert Pattinson murders the seagull. I mean, he's been for squawking like the, I was ahead. gonna
1: say yeah for like the first like third of the movie, he's just been getting pestered by this like one eyed seagull. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, he just kills it. Just grabs an it. an act
0: of rage, man.
1: And just smat like the like you know the scene from Avengers when Hulk. Oh, my Smashes God. Smashes
0: Literally, dude.
1: Just whack, 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 whack. And then he just tosses it.
0: And you see the winds literally begin to change after that. So uh, that's another thing to keep in consideration with kind of like the cursed almost. Like Wake's character is very superstitious yes. in, in those ways, I think. Because he tells him like the souls of sailors past. Living are, goals. Yeah. Right. So um, another interesting thing about the research, you know, I'm sure Eggers planted that in there.
1: I mean, he, he calls down Triton to smite him.
0: That's like one of the best scenes in a movie I have ever seen.
1: Hark! <laughs> You're fond of me, Lobster.
0: Oh, my God. You're and fond of me, Cookin'. And that's
1: the thing is like uh, another aspect of the characters is that mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Wake's character is this, you know— hard ass kinda he's right. not afraid to you know beat down uh Howard, yeah, and uh you know put him in his place, call him a dog, and all that, but the moment there's any kind of like uh, like negative comment about him,
0: right, he crumbles. And it's like when he's drinking and when he's drunk, he, he's he's becoming more vulnerable. Yes. Because he is literally – dude, Thomas Howard says – this sounds like a, a, an old couple bickering yes. is what it's – this. that's what this scene reminded me of. They
1: get into this whole, you know, it's just, you know –
0: you're fond of me cooking.
1: You're fond of me lobster, ain't ya? Because he, he says, and you he know, just starts like, going, I don't like you. He's like, yeah. I, hate, I hate you. I hate everything about you. And he's like, no, you're fond of me lobster. I, I know. He's like holding seen on to it. that. I seen it. What? Oh. And, you know, he, just he doesn't going, you're say drunk. anything. You're drunk. You wouldn't say yeah, that. Yeah, you wouldn't say that. You're fond of me lobster. And then, you know, he doesn't say anything. And finally, uh, Thomas Wake just stands up. Hark!
0: Dude, it's got to be a two minute monologue.
1: Just a whole monologue, and then it Slow, ends with. Slow
0: zoom in on him the whole time. It just
1: ends with, let Triton smite you. <laughs> oh
0: my God. And then. Fill f- his young mouth with pungent slime. Yeah. Dude, this and thing then, was
1: insane. And then there's like, you know, a 10 second silence. Yeah. And Howard just says. All right, fine. I like your cooking.
0: Yep, and that's the end of the and scene. And that's the end of it. And we're back to it <laughs> to the daytime. So it's crazy, man. Like that's kind of a couple bickering
1: almost at that point, point. and then the alcoholism just keeps tumbling. They run out of booze, so Dude. they start drinking turpentine. Oh my god,
0: that shit had me fucked up. And they're like, they're like globbing it with honey and just chugging it. Like they need to be fucked beyond oblivion to be here. And it's just crazy, man. And and we get into a scene where they start, they're like dancing. like They're so
1: drunk. They're having
0: fun. They're, they're being cool together. And then they stop.
1: And they look at each other.
0: They get about an inch. They almost.
1: You can see it in their eyes.
0: Yeah. They almost kiss. Just and, for a
1: second. And then Howard backs up. He realizes what's going on. And he, you know, back to like the themes of like masculinity. Yeah. And, all that. Yep. You know, he wants to be a man, so he puts his fighting, in where his, his dukes up.
0: With a smile. And so does Thomas Wake does the same thing back to him. It's like they're both just trying to bury what just happened almost. Yes.
1: But then it cuts again and they're holding each other. I know. It's so crazy, dude. Just like there's like, so much tension there.
0: I didn't think this was going to be a... Th- like, I didn't know what to expect coming into this movie, not but that. I did not. Exactly. But it's so... Powerful. It's such a crazy message. There's so much crazy subtext.
1: And then so all that happens and then, you know, the next day wakes up and, you know, Howard's back to being the dog.
0: Yep. So a lot of this kind of mid-act stuff happens and then we we eventually just get to the absolute, you know, they're both at the end of the rope at this point. Yeah. We don't uh... know what's real. We don't know what's fake. The storm has almost ravaged the lighthouse
1: they, I mean, at one point, Thomas Wake grabs an axe and goes out and smashes the boat.
0: Because Howard seems like he's trying to get out of there. He's trying to get off the island.
1: And he destroys it. And then, you know, they go back into the house. And all of a sudden, Wake is calling Howard crazy and saying. I know. I knew, and I've known you've, you were crazy when you took that axe and smashed up that lifeboat just now.
0: He flipped it around so fast. And you're dude. left to
1: wonder, you know, was it Howard? Yeah. Was it Wake? Who did it?
0: And you can ask Robert Eggers himself, and he'll say, figure it out. Yeah. Like, he doesn't give anything about this movie. He's like, it's up to you. I love it. Which is awesome. It's like, I mean, he doesn't really owe anybody answers. Oh, no. It's, his, it's not. his art piece. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so that that kind of happens and then it all of the frustration the light keeps getting brought up when when can I see the light? I deserve it. All of these things kind of just start to pile and pile and then the aggressiveness in the daytime is overshadowing what happens at night to when they can kind of connect. But at this point, like I said, they're not they're drinking like what turp some
1: Yeah, turpentine and honey.
0: So they're fucked. Just they're just fucked at just this like point. It's like
1: pure alcohol and honey.
0: Um it it comes to a really horrible end.
1: <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I mean, they they get into a big fight, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Pattinson comes out on top. Thomas Howard, and uh, all of a sudden, the tables have turned, and right. now Thomas Wake is the dog.
0: He's got William Defoe. He's got Thomas Wake on a leash, and he says bark. Come on, dog. Bark.
1: And he barks. It's
0: so crazy because it's like they have this horrible power struggle, but they also had these almost Tender sentimental moments. moments. Yeah, for sure. And now you're here. And
1: it's just walk, bark.
0: He leads him out to a an open grave on this leash and says,
1: get in. Go on. Go on. Be a good dog.
0: Oh, my God, dude. That the, oh, Makes that him crawl in up.
1: and starts burying him.
0: Alive. And and William... William Dafoe
1: is just giving another monologue. All of the he's hats the off. the king of monologues, dude.
0: And this time, there's dirt being... Like, he's burying him alive. He's throwing this dirt right on William Dafoe's face. And he is not stopping. Not at he's all. He's cursing this man as he's doing this Calling shit, Calling for
1: Proteus to oh my destroy God. him and... Triton to strike him down. and Dude, insane. He, so he gets buried like alive and uh, Howard reaches back into the grave and pulls out the keys to the lighthouse. Yep. It's time to go into the light. Starts walking back into the house. And then all of a sudden, Wake is there.
0: Yeah, I I was very confused here. I was like what? I thought he was done yeah. when he got buried.
1: Charges him with the axe. The light is mine.
0: Yep, because he yeah, he he took that key, man, and he knew.
1: And he slash it like he he takes a chunk out of Robert Pattinson. Just yeah, slashes him and uh Pattinson throws him off. Takes the axe and uh, it's all she wrote for Thomas Wake.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, confirmed ending for for Mister Wake.
1: He just gets absolutely just decimated by this axe
0: for sure. And then we find herself up in the light. He's crawled
1: up after being like decimated himself by an axe. Makes it up through the light, and then it's dude. That's that's shot.
0: Yeah, we see him opening the light and it's like you're inside of the light's perspective and you're looking out at, at Robert Eggers. That's like a or
1: Robert Pattinson and I he's can't just mix it up He's just covered in blood. Yeah. He sees it and And
0: the negative film and how the contrast is working and the sound? Right. It's like like this is like you failed every madness check up until this yes. point. You failed all of your sanity checks. Incomprehensible.
1: And I've been met with a terrible face.
0: Dude, straight on. And
1: off. it's just this shot of Pattinson's face as it's so bright and he's, you know, screaming. Or Guttural screams. Or. And laughing Turns into a laugh. And all you hear is this just distorted audio. Just right. This muffled, like. Pier-
0: it's piercing in ways.
1: It's like. Bass boosted, like. Uh, drone It's right. like siren wet, Like drone Right And then it cuts and uh, Or something happens he I think, And, and he falls afterwards. down but then the it cuts. stairs And then it cuts And the last shot Is Howard Strewn out on the beach Yep Being pecked apart by seagulls
0: like his whole stomach is gone it's already been gnawed out um and that goes back to thomas wake's first curse that he put on him when he says may may triton strike you down he says by the end of that like two minute monologue he's like until the seagulls and all the creatures have pecked away your your flesh yes and you've become nothing but the sea dude it's it's
1: fucking bizarre it's the it's powerful It's so powerful. And it draws parallels to uh, other themes throughout the movie, like um, the Greek myth of Prometheus. Right. um, With, like, the light of the lighthouse being the Promethean flame.
0: That's something I didn't even think about until you were kind of telling
1: me. And, well, I mean, that shot of Howard being pecked apart by Gulls, that's what happens to Prometheus during like the legend. He so he really? he gives the the fire to mankind so that they can you know become civilized or whatever. Just the the fire of knowledge, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, and as punishment, Zeus puts uh, Prometheus on an island to be picked pecked apart by uh, eagles. I think. Wow. Every single day. He's pecked apart the entire day, and then at the end of it, he's healed. And the next day starts, and it's for eternity. Greek
0: mythology is so fucked up. Yeah. Dude, it's so
1: fucked up. But yeah, so when I saw that scene of Howard getting pecked apart, the parallels immediately, immediately sprung link. to mind.
0: Yeah, no, that's crazy, man. That's really cool. That's something I didn't even think of. Um, so it's just really interesting how he draws all of this stuff, all of these themes together. And it kind of makes this crazy ass ride, man. Oh
1: yeah, certainly. I
0: absolutely loved this movie. I'm really excited to check it out again and kind of like, because we've only See seen it, it from once. From a more
1: analytical view,
0: exactly. We we only took it in raw once. You know what I mean. And that's just a lot to process yes, the first time you watch it. Still processing it, it. exactly. Um, so with all that being said, please watch the lighthouse if if it's something that's in your lane. Like we said, it's kind of got those sexual triggers. It's a little graphic, but thematically, it is a it is a crazy ride. It's an awesome story and it's an awesome look at kind of like f- fragile masculinity trying Very to be much strong so. in the eighteen hundreds. You know, mm-hmm. um, which you is had, a really having cool thing. having
1: these urges, but knowing that that's not the the manly thing.
0: Exactly, and just having such a primal reaction to, no, I can't be this way, and and just kind of blocking yourself from it and the damage that that can do oh, yeah, so for sure um lots of stuff going on in that movie definitely check it out in complete and utter contrast to that film we have uh 2022's the northman from robert eggers which i uh, dude this might be within my top five movies right now
1: dude it was i, I loved it I loved this movie. Every Spoilers second. for the Northmen.
0: It's spoiler time. We're getting spoiler into time. it because I have to talk about this fucking movie, spoiler man. <laughs> Dude, it's always going to be spoiler time. We take deep dives into oh, stories. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, my God. This movie, man. Uh,
0: So being – I'm, if you ever see me in person, I've got an arm dedicated to Lord of the Rings. I love – fantasy i've always as a kid i was drawn to the look of middle earth the feel of middle earth and this isn't exactly that but it's it's just shot so beautifully that it almost kind of is like you're it surrounded by mountains the, we're in iceland yeah
1: it has that that vibe to it exactly certainly. it's not like high fantasy or anything like that but
0: there's just enough in there to hit <laughs> the mind
1: there's a mark. tiny hint of uh, you know is there magic is right. there is there some spirituality
0: Seriously. Who knows? So this is like, <laughs> this is um, Eggers' first swing on a huge budget, you know?
1: $90 million. Yeah.
0: And I'm going to say he killed it and he, he utilized it well. Um, it really sucks that this, this movie only made about $24 million at the box office.
1: Which is unfortunate.
0: I am so sad, people. I, even myself, I was so busy. I didn't even get to see this. I would have loved to experience yes, this. Yes, to the see theaters. it in
1: theaters. Oh my it god! It just really
0: sucks. It didn't perform that well. Hopefully, they make some more money, you know, on the back end, because it deserves it, man. Everybody that worked on this thing absolutely I wonder what the, killed it.
1: Like the dynamic, or like what the numbers are for like streaming.
0: That's it. Yeah, it's streaming on Peacock now. So
1: yeah, if you have Peacock. Definitely watch The Northman
0: for sure, and I know I know there's only like twelve
1: people who have Peacock, (laughs) right? Like for real. But if you can, if you can at least find one of them, (laughs) please let me use your Peacock. Just watch this. Just watch this movie. It's it's so good. Um, based on a Nordic tale, the the legend of Amleth. Yep. Um, which is itself the origin. Uh of Hamlet Shakespeare drew it's Shakespeare's Hamlet is Shakespeare's interpretation of the legend of Amleth,
0: which I thought this was so cool. Cause like growing up, we watched the lion King, right? Everybody says Everybody the lion King is Hamlet.
1: The lion King. Yeah. And that's and everybody's Hamlet.
0: comparison. Yeah. So you're like, okay, Hamlet's as old as it gets, but no Shakespeare, a little bitch.
1: He stole that <laughs> shit. He
0: took a Viking myth and made it his own. So this was really cool to find out. Um, and it's so effective, dude, and and the way that they spun this story into a two-hour and 17-minute trip. Yeah, just – And every, every minute counts. I was going to
1: say, yeah, everything is just – it's so dense. It's so packed in. There's exactly. no wasted time. There's no
0: empty scenes. Exactly. You know, they and they lay this thing out for you in the trailer. Oh, yeah. I, I, will, I will avenge open, you, father.
1: I will save you, mother.
0: I will kill you, Fjolnir. And like that it just that's it
1: that's the story that's his entire existence right
0: that is um like when talking about this robert eggers has said if i was going to make something big i i needed something that i know everyone can relate to and that is a good revenge story. In oh. fact, it's the most original revenge story out there. Absolutely. Um, and he he took that and he made what is now the most historically accurate Viking epic, ever made.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, everything about it was you know the weapons were made historically accurately. The shields down to the type
0: of wood. Yeah, the shields the down to the wood. The mm-hmm. ships
1: were accurate uh the oars were accurate the
0: like we said the villages constructed
1: yeah like the palisades and all that are like made out of period accurate materials and it just goes again to the uh immersion and like you're not just watching a movie you're there in uh you're in that setting man yeah you're in Scandinavia
0: and that's um that's what's so interesting to hear the actors talk about so like actors that have worked with robert eggers before were much smaller in number this is a pretty big cast that we have working with here um i've watched a lot of interviews everybody that works with him is just like he makes my job as an actor so easy because i walk in and it's like i'm i'm here like this is what it this is exactly what it was
1: it's it's just incredible
0: um and and they just kind of let it out from there. And, and I can see it in every performance because every performance in this movie was f- just amazing. Every, like every actor did so good.
1: Honestly. Like Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, my gosh. And I haven't
0: re- – so I hadn't seen Alexander Skarsgård in much before this. And this is like – so this is my Honestly, first – Honestly, me either. Yeah. This is my first kind of big and impact. he was a, like a – He's an animal.
1: Like a menace. Dude. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> He's, a, he's the bear wolf.
0: For real. Like the bestial themes in yeah. this thing. Like you are not a man. You need to earn to be a man. You're a beast right now. I mean, now. yeah. I
1: mean, they do. I mean, you know, we can start talking about like the plot of the movie Yeah. at that point. I mean, because that's like a huge theme of the movie is, you know, the rite of passage into like manhood and then right. the themes of like you are an animal as well. I mean...
0: Themes of dying and death, death in battle to, to get to... To go
1: to Valhalla.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. Like the dream of the Viking warrior.
1: Uh, So, yeah, I mean...
0: Bestial ceremonies yes, that they the, do. the
1: movie opens up with uh, Amleth and his his mother at their castle mm-hmm. as his father is returning from a conquest.
0: Yeah, and, and it's really interesting... Like, I mean, like I said, everything we're seeing there is real. Um, they had some, like, the snow in that is, is VFX. So it wasn't really? actually like winter when they were filming. I it, didn't know that. Didn't catch it at all. Yeah, of course. It's just the little things that they add on top of the real set.
1: That's so cool. To make it
0: all more believable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so super cool. We've got the ships coming home in the raging sea. The king yes. has returned. Um, the king played by Ethan Hawke, who did so good
1: like unrecognizable almost like I couldn't tell it was him oh my gosh I know and I mean, just every scene he's in man he just kills it
0: for sure I really enjoyed his performance in this uh, he played a fantastic king
1: definitely a, a dude who uh loves battle right and loves his family
0: yeah I mean that's the first time the 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 Theme of like death and like battle and glory. He's like, He, he, comes, he comes home and he's wounded, he's wounded right.
1: and his his wife is like, Well, you should probably rest. He says, You don't know. Right. I'm I'm go- if I'm going to die, I'm going to die in battle. Right. So I can go to Valhalla. Yeah. And he just gets up.
0: <laughs> yeah. He fucks off. <laughs> and then, you
1: know, they have like their dinner feast for him returning.
0: Mm-hmm. That's when we see Fuel and Air We're for the introduced first time. Fuel The thing his, about this movie is – Amlet's uncle. Yeah. His,
1: his, uh, uh, his father's bastard brother, yeah, his half-brother.
0: I think that's a pretty big point to it too because they make that pretty known.
1: Yeah. Um, who seems to have a curious relationship with uh, Amlet's mother. Dude, yes. Friendly at least.
0: William Defoe's character the fool. Yeah, he he he's plays again the fool in this, <laughs> in,
1: a, in a Robert Eggers movie.
0: Dude, I feel like anything Eggers makes Dafoe. He's down.
1: He might be playing
0: Nosferatu in in his new movie because Robert Eggers is making Nosferatu next. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think it's going to be Anya Taylor-Joy and I think William Dafoe.
1: Dude, that's insane.
0: How crazy would that be? That's crazy. I'm so here for it. He plays a smaller role in this movie but still an awesome one. He's like a court
1: fool slash like shaman type figure. Yeah. And, I mean, he he calls it out right away. He sees – Fjolnir and Mm -hmm. Amleth's mother speaking, and he calls him out and says, Oh, the queen, what's her cup for another? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Fjolnir is immediately like, I'm going to
0: fucking kill you. you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And Amleth's dad is just like, No, you can't. That's his right as the, the fool.
0: Yeah. He's like, Come on. I keep him around for fun, right? Yeah. He doesn't really keep him around for that, as we see in the next scene. He, uh, yeah, like immediately, that's when he goes into shaman I mode. say, yeah,
1: the next scene immediately afterwards is uh, Amleth's father uh, taking Amleth into this cave for a, a spirit journey, a, a coming of age ritual of sorts. Right. Where they turn into, not you know physically, but mm-hmm. in this ritual, they become... Wolves. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. They're walking around on all fours. Right. They're drinking out of. They're drinking spirit water.
0: They're fucking tripping balls, dude. Yeah, dude.
1: Like they drink this out of like a bowl, just lapping out of it, like a like a wolf would. Yeah, dude. And they have. He has this crazy trip. He's the visuals, man. Like the Tree of Kings that they show. Doesn't
0: it? Like it zooms in on on the king's wound. And then inside of him, you see the Tree of Life, which is this... It's just such a spectacle. Like, like this is where the VFX get a little heavy in this movie, but they look great, and it works so well, because there's... You know, when you think of Valhalla, you think of the Tree of Life and these things. It's mm-hmm. like a spectacle. It's a magical, oh, yeah. like, kind of spectacle. And he definitely made it look like that. Gave me super big air tree vibes from Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. Ring.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then that's when he... You know, they tell him, you know, this is the last tear you will shed as a boy or that whatever. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, he makes the, the pledge to uh, avenge his father if anything ever happens to him and, mm-hmm. like, you know, save his family. Right. And then, literally the next morning, mm-hmm. they're just outside in the snow. Amleth is, you know, spinning around, licking. Snow yep. drop, or snowflakes as they fall. Literally
0: just being a child, you know.
1: Foom. <laughs> Arrow whizzes past him into his, into his dad.
0: Then two more follow. He's just like, run. So Amleth gets out of there. Amleth
1: gets out. He, his dad drops to his knees. Some dudes come out, and one of the dudes is Fjolnir. Right. Staging a coup.
0: Fucked uh, up. Like we knew this was gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's. The this classic. scene was
0: really powerful though. Oh yeah, dude, he gets speared three times. They got three spears. He's on his knees. They got three spears in him,
1: and he's still kicking. And he's still. Shit had me fucked up. He's still like defiant against. I know. Fjolnir. He's like, if you're, you're gonna do it, just fucking do it.
0: Yeah, and he said, "Your rule will not be long." Yeah, Ste tells him straight up,
1: dude. <laughs> and uh, Fioner cuts his head off. After, like, four swings.
0: Oh, my God. I know. Let's talk about some historical accuracy. <laughs> it's not super easy to cut a head off in one go. No. He's like, oh, my God. He's hacking at <laughs> Got to him.
1: cut through that bitch.
0: Shit's crazy. Um, Fuelner's actor, you don't get to see him shine as much in the beginning here. Yeah. But still, wow, dude. Like I said, everybody just did so fucking good. Dude,
1: seriously. He
0: made a really good kind of antagonizing presence, even not being very antagonizing. But yes. he just had that, that posture and that stature about and I, him. And he's
1: almost, I mean, this is a little bit later on, but he almost not necessarily becomes a tragic character. Right. But it's almost like once you get context behind all the events and everything, right. you could almost see like if this if this story was told from the perspective of him right he would be the good guy exactly and Amleth would be the bear wolf monster <laughs> the ramp you know? the berserker yeah. man um, he's
0: literally um a berserker by the time we see him as a grown man but that's that...
1: like but that's just to say like the the depth of Fjolnir's character is very well done
0: exactly yeah and when he's playing off of those emotions in these scenes where he's, kind of, where, he, where he's killing the king, he's playing off of the emotions that you get – like you said, you get that context to it later. Going back and watching it again, you can – that's something that just adds more to it. Oh, you know? for sure. Adds so then, more to the viewing experience.
1: After you know he kills his dad, uh, he sends his men out to go look for Amleth.
0: Kill the boy. Bring me the boy.
1: And one dude finds him. And I, lo- I loved – that shot of mm-hmm. it's like Amleth's head, like a profile shot, as he's being attacked by this dude. And then, as Amleth falls down, the camera turns with him, and right. it's just like I loved that transition to being on the ground. Yeah, as he's being like choked by right. uh, one of Fionnir's men, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden pulls out a dagger and slices the man's nose off. Dude, that was nuts. Gets up and nuts. runs away.
0: The dude is just like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then he just runs. He just walks back to Fjölnir and is like, oh yeah, I killed him. I
0: killed him. Yeah, he, he, fell could, into, he, he
1: fell into the water.
0: He got my nose, but I killed him. You know, it's fine. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and just he's like, like I'm, squirting I'm not gonna, out of his fucking face. I'm not going to tell him
1: that I didn't kill him.
0: Right, right, because you'd be next, bro. So
1: Amleth gets away. He finds a boat, rows into the ocean, mm-hmm. away, uh, and it's the first time. That we hear his mantra.
0: Right. His mission his, his mission, mission statement. statement. Mm-hmm. I will
1: avenge you, father, I will kill you, Fjolnir. I will save you, mother.
0: Exactly. Um, and if I'm correct, then when it cuts to you know, how many ever year, years later I think he's, it's
1: like twenty or something like that? He's
0: in the boat, right? Yeah, it's, it's that, like a kind of a that
1: sh- wide shot that like tracks in on him. Right. And As they're in, He's on the Viking boat with his, like, berserker mates, and they're all rowing in time. And, yeah, right. just that transition to boy to adult.
0: And this is where he's just an animal, dude. Like, he's
1: just rage in his – like, that's it, man. That's all he is. At this point, it's been, like, 20 years. Yeah. He has not uh, done his familial obligations of – avenging his father
0: it's almost like he got kind of lost for for a short time um he
1: he lost himself in his berserker
0: right in his berserker rage you know um and then that leads us to like probably one of the the most intense set pieces uh and action sequences in the film
1: oh most certainly the the raid on the slavic village yes we're in the land of the Rus. um just that opening, sh- the wide of the Vikings, so the men coming up with their wolf cloaks. Right. Oh, my God. And then Starts you just... Starts off so
0: quiet as they're kind of... And they're like, they're hunched you, down. That's what I'm saying. They you don't even... Like yes.
1: You don't even see them. You just right. see their cloaks.
0: It's so cool.
1: And then all of a sudden you just hear one of... You see the village with its like wood palisade walls. Mm-hmm. And then you just hear one of the... Uh, villagers from the distance say something, and then he chucks a spear. Mm-hmm. Amleth, without hesitation, gets up, <laughs> catches the spear, and then, in the same motion, turns and throws it back, killing the dude.
0: That was so fucking badass, dude! I don't. And then shit.
1: all the soldiers get up, take their cloaks off, and charge. The oh. war
0: cry. And, and then from there, we go into this incredible tracking shot. All one scene. This, I mean, the camera work is just so incredible in this movie. They do not waste a second of screen time. No, not at all. There's not coverage. You're not getting two shots. They're doing these, like, with one camera. Live. You know what I mean? Like, modern directors are like, you're trying the to shots, cover your ass. Yeah, this
1: one's getting this one. This one's over here.
0: He's like, we're gonna get this shot with one camera and we're gonna do it until we get it.
1: And with walks off screen for like twenty seconds. Yeah. That's fine. We, the camera's over here.
0: Right. Exactly. And then he walks back in. He'll be walking behind buildings and then we're just in front of it. And yep. then we catch up with him when he gets to the exactly. other side. Yeah. It's just you're just completely along this journey with him. And when you're when you're so for like this raid, this one take kind of raid, while he's doing this action, while he's taking people down you're with him for that whole thing. This is not, like, a million cuts like a lot of action sequences can be where yeah. you just kind of get lost in translation. You're here. You're seeing everything, and it's just... Brutal. It's brutal. It's it's fantastic. This is what a Viking raid would look like, yeah. man. Yeah, no,
1: it's very, very realistic. Absolutely. I mean, to go back to, like, the whole, like, channeling your inner animal thing, like, right. they have, I think it's before the raid... They do like a ritual of sorts where they're like channeling their animal spirits. And, you know, they're saying like, tonight we're wolves and we will, you know, drink the blood of our enemies. Oh, yeah. During the raid, uh, Amleth kills a dude and kills him by ripping his throat out and drinking his blood. And then he... Literally howls like a wolf.
0: Insane, insane. Um, and then after the raid, you know, we see him kind of. Everybody else is is partying, you know, you know, having having drink.
1: After you know, rounding up a bunch of people and putting them into a, a house and.
0: Uh, all the women and children.
1: Setting it on fire. That was
0: fucked up. Not, it, but not, it's like not it's all like, the women, at least. Though. Yeah. Well, they get used as. It's very Viking true. It's yeah. very true to the horrendous things uh, that they did in these raids.
1: Anya Taylor-Joy is one of these uh, surviving slaves. She is, yeah. Th- this is
0: when we first see her. So this is Anya Taylor-Joy's reconnection with Robert Eggers since The Witch, his first feature, which she did fantastic in that movie. And then seeing her in this.
1: I loved her in this what movie.
0: What a force. She's like a force to be reckoned with she's to a point. She's this like...
1: Uh, Olga of the Birch Forest yeah, is her name. Dude. She's Isn't she like a like pagan sorceress kind of. Yeah, she like speaks to like the earth spirits yes. and the spirits of wind and
0: Oh my gosh, I love that shit, it's, dude. It's you
1: know up to your interpretation whether or not any of it's legit. Yeah. Um but it's very very she did very well.
0: So good, dude. Yeah. So Speaking they're... all the different languages so fluently yeah. and so effectively when she's doing these spells and chants. We don't see much of this stuff until later, but this is just our first kind of introduction here.
1: Yeah. So then, yeah, like you were saying, it's that night and uh, there are all the Vikings are partying and everything, having a good time.
0: Amleth is very uninterested in all of that. You very know? much so. Very much he, so. He doesn't – even with the burning of the house, like he talks about he, – he's like, he I don't kill away. women. I don't yeah. – He's not really interested in that. He's he's a warrior and he, he fights warriors. Fight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and while he, – so he's, you know, not interested in the celebrations and he walks in – does he walk into the burnt building?
0: Yeah. He like kind of starts wandering off in the village and then we get to some of the more – like we, we return to more mystical kind of witch. He
1: finds this – Shaman, witch, lady, Char- Bjork.
0: It's Bjork. Yeah. She's back. really cool. <laughs> Eggers brought her
1: back after yeah. she said, I'm never doing another movie again.
0: And she did awesome, dude. This character was so cool. This, like,
1: blind seer. Yeah. Gives him, like, you know, brings him back and is like, You made a vow.
0: Right. Does she return his tear to him?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: The one that William Defoe took. Oh, yes. it's so fucking cool, man.
1: Gives it back to him, and he he remembers his vow. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. And the next morning, he wakes up and has renewed purpose.
0: Right. He's got a new drive. You know, it's not just that deathly stare in his eyes all the time.
1: They learn, he learns that some of these slaves are being sold, uh, taken, taken around to different places. Mm-hmm. He learns that some of them are being sold to Fjolnir.
0: Oh, God, dude. Yeah. We
1: hear, oh, yeah, Fjolnir uh, is in Iceland. Well, wait a second, Amleth says. Yeah. <laughs> right. Why is Fjolnir in Iceland? Oh. That would be, because shortly after he killed Amleth's father and staged his coup, yeah, he himself lost the kingdom to another king,
0: fucking little invading fucking king, asshole, dude. So
1: he killed his brother for nothing.
0: Your rule will be short. So now he's in Iceland with his little. You know he he's got like, a village. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: got like ten dudes under his command or whatever. Right. And some slaves and he just – he commands like a farmstead.
0: Right. We see his son.
1: He, he has a – his son has grown up at this point. So, well, I mean, before we get yeah. to there. So he realizes, you know, oh, these slaves are going to Fjolnir. Right. I'll be back. And he, <laughs> and he walks off. <laughs> I'll be off. back. He uh, picks up one of the slave brands, brands himself Ooh, as yeah. a slave, and then uh, swims out. Climbs onto one of the boats that's being uh, delivered to Fjolnir. Anya Taylor-Joy is on this boat, Olga. Yep. This is their, like, uh, first real meeting. She immediately spies him out as uh, not being slave. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, they they talk and kind of come to an understanding. Exactly. And uh, now we're in Iceland.
0: (laughs) Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at you and we're like, I did not think we were going to get here this fast.
1: Yeah, it's it's very very quick. So uh, I mean,
0: we're face to face. Amleth is face to face with Fuelner like really quickly, um, out, like after all of this happens. Yeah, he the sees The slaves it are lined quick. up, and the way he displays that tension of fuel, because Fuelner just comes face to face with him.
1: He doesn't recognize him at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's nothing there. But but Amleth's oh my
1: god. He just has that rage.
0: It's so good, and it's just played so well. You
1: can just see it in his face, man. So this
0: went – the story takes a complete turn to what I I could have really thought. I didn't think it was going to be – I did not think it was going to be like We're sneaking around. Yeah, Yeah, we're trying to – it pretty much becomes him and and Olga trying to figure out we're going to make this place hell. We're going to make this place a nightmare. Everybody's going to fucking hate it. Yeah. He
1: He gets like another vision one night. He meets another, uh, like, a witch, yeah, like another seer. The he-witch. Yeah. Who tells him of uh, the legendary sword, Draugr.
0: Dude, that shit was so sick. This is where we get more, like, fantasy-feely almost.
1: Yes. It's a named sword. It has this power. It was quenched in, like, the blood of of its enemies.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It thirsts.
1: It can only be drawn, like, at night or, like when the penultimate battle comes or yeah, Right. And he sends Fionn or he sends Amleth to go get it and mm-hmm. he descends into this crypt.
0: And that same in that same scene isn't isn't oh. the final battle prophesized as well. Yes, he gets We gotta to talk about who's telling the story yes. too. So
1: yes, this He Witch is telling this tale and he pulls out Willem Dafoe's... <laughs> the fool. ...head. It's like a... Um,
0: skeleton skeleton like a almost skeleton, like a, Like
1: a mummified head uh-huh. with, like, his eyes are still in it and mm-hmm. everything, and the teeth are there, and...
0: And his voice, like, speaks beyond yeah, the grave, man, yeah. and tells the story of the you legendary will, sword.
1: Yeah, you, and then, you know, states that, you know, you will f- f- kill him... Uh, at the gates of hell is yeah. where your final battle will be. Uh-huh. And he also tells him that he will have to make a choice between uh, kindness for his kin. Yep. Or hate for his enemy. Exactly. And that is a theme that will come back. Because, I mean, when, you fir- when he first gets that, you're like, right. I don't have any kin. Hate for my enemy. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, the only person that I have kin with is my mom. Right. I'm going to save her.
0: And I know well, and and Fjölnir, I mean, is his bastard uncle it's too? Like, yeah, it's like kind of kin, but not really. But I mean,
1: like, not really kin, considering right. that he killed right his brother. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I mean, at the when he hears that, you're like, oh, no brainer. Like right. that's, not, that's not a, it's a non choice. Exactly. Um. So then Amleth goes out and retrieves the sword, descends into this crypt, mm-hmm. finds this. uh skeleton sitting in his chair with the sword rested on his lap and goes to grab it and the skeleton wakes up
0: we get a really cool little action sequence between him and this undead
1: very very cool um
0: made me think of like i don't know like i don't know not man. something like,
1: that i thought was going to happen Right?
0: yeah I, like i just didn't see this many kind of fantastical elements yes, being very much brought so. into it
1: um and he wins the fight, and then once he wins the fight, we're taken back, and it's shown that it that was like was an like illusion. A, it was, yeah, it was like a mental test almost. Yes. That's how I thought of it. And when he grabs the sword, it just comes right out with him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, it's time to cause chaos.
0: Yeah, he meets up with Olga, and then, you know— it's pretty much he says, we're going to make this place hell until my destiny. He's like, like
1: yeah. like I, He's like, I'm not going to kill them right now because the sword wouldn't allow right. me to. Mm-hmm. My destiny is to kill him at the gates of hell. So until then, I'm just going to fucking ruin this man's life. Straight And up. just starts, you know, has Olga like drop shrooms into like the stew.
0: Dude, yeah. And they just start planning these things at night. Um,
1: he crawls out of his like slave quarters and mm-hmm. fucking stabs people and
0: kills and he leaves messages man yeah he leaves markings
1: and then you know one day fjolnir takes some slaves with them and goes out to this uh like parlay with another like uh clan or something mm-hmm. and they play this like ball game
0: right yep
1: and uh the mountain that's the we, actor, the yeah, actor yeah. that plays the mountain in, the, mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones, is uh, one of the characters. This absolutely just stacked man.
0: Dude, yeah, because I, I was like, I just saw the size of this dude, and I was like, that has to be him, right? Mm-hmm. That has to be him. And we finally got like more of a close up. We're like, yep,
1: <laughs> and, he was dope. Oh yeah, for cool sure. Cool as shit, man. Uh, something happens during the game, and uh, like the, Fiona's team is like losing, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fionnir's youngest son now that he has with uh Amlet, with the queen mother.
0: Yeah, mother. Which uh, by the way, forgot to give Nicole Kidman a shout out. The Queen, the actress who plays the Queen. Yes. Also fantastic, yeah, just like I thought everybody she did, in really this did. film. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, so they have a kid together now, a yep. young a young boy who uh because his team's losing takes the ball and just runs out onto the field. Right. The mountain uh, appears, and it's like...
0: I'm going to fucking kill this kid, dude. Yeah, I'm trying to win this game. Because the, yeah. the kid's going for the ball. Yeah. We're, not, like, we're oh, not playing yeah, uh, no. touched football, you Absolutely know what I'm saying? no.
1: We're playing... I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna brain this 10-year-old.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, literally.
1: Um, And Amleth saves him. Yeah. Tackles the dude off of him and, like, brains him.
0: Exactly. And this puts Amleth's character kind of above the other slaves he gets like a promotion they're yes. like don't get don't get this twisted you're going to be a slave like you're
1: still a slave but you're just
0: you get to in tell charge. everybody else what to do yeah
1: you're just in charge of other slaves manager. he's Pretty the much. manager literally
0: but this gives him more of an opportunity to to play in this fuckery he's doing gives him more
1: agency yes yeah
0: for sure so not to get into too much because some crazy cool shit happens like while they're just fucking with this farm to get back there's so Fjolnir. much um,
1: like Nordic uh, imagery yeah like how you t- is seen um, I mean yeah there's like you are
0: talking about the Odin influences that I didn't even catch
1: yeah I mean eventually he he uh, kills Fjolnir's oldest son yep rips his heart out yep yeah. Uh, kills a bunch of Fjolnir's men and like... And Fjolnir wants that heart. Because it's like a a burial type thing. Like, yeah, you know, like you don't can don't you not the, cross over? Probably, I would assume, yeah. something like that. Um, and then, you know, he kills a bunch of his dudes mm-hmm. and then like pierces them together. Oh my God, that was so fucked into up. Into like a seven-armed like horse. yeah. Which is an allusion to Odin.
0: Yeah, and see, I didn't even know that. I just thought he was just like plastering these guys up. So when you told me that, that's a really cool connection to be made.
1: Yeah, because he uh, gets help from like ravens throughout the movie, which is also a sign of Odin, and it's also right uh, related to his father as well. Yeah, was associated it, with ravens. Exactly. It's like a whole whole thing, which is just so cool. Right. Um. But yeah, so they're just causing chaos on this yeah. farmstead.
0: And um, you know, eventually there's there's a, uh, this romance that's developing between Amwith and yeah. Olga, so which is so a, good. That was
1: part of his like promotion thing. Was that he got he got to pick a slave to yeah. sleep with for the night. Yeah. And he chooses Olga and right. and you know, they sleep together and afterwards it's she's like in love with the dude.
0: Yeah. And and it's really cool to see this connection because Amos plays it off really well as a guy. He's just like, I've not experienced this before.
1: I mean, he literally says at one point, like, all I am is hate. Yeah. I wish that I could leave it behind or something I like know, that. I
0: know, which is really cool to see Some like see him struggle with that mm-hmm. because he's developing his feelings throughout this thing. You yes. know what I mean? And this
1: is when, it, when that earlier prompt of... Mm-hmm. You're going to have to choose kindness for your kin or hate for your enemy. It starts to become a more uh, gray question. Exactly.
0: Um, exactly.
1: Yeah, dude. It's just – it's so good, man. I it, And I love their dynamic of like the them two against the world.
0: And they didn't – yeah, because they didn't have a lot of time within the movie – to make you, like, buy into this romance. But the time that they did have to spend on it really nailed it in for me. Like, yes, they had such a great chemistry on screen and in and, and between their characters. It was just really sweet She to was, see. You know,
1: she immediately, like, says, like, because he tells... They're talking before they, you know, have sex. Yeah. They speak, and she's like, are you planning on escaping? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to kill Fjolnir, and then I'm going to escape. Uh And she's like... My, I'm Olga of the Birch Forest, and I too intend to escape this place. Yeah, and it just becomes like.
0: So now we've we've got the Viking brute and like the enchantress almost. The, as a I duo. think the
1: line she says is like, "Your your strength breaks men's bodies. My cunning will break their minds."
0: Yeah, dude. Yes, and and, and we see that. We yeah, definitely see that. Very much so. On. Um, so it all comes down to. To the destiny, you know, the prophesized. I mean, well. Vision. Yeah, he. After, after, I mean, Amleth strips pretty much everything that Fjolnir has. We even he find gets, out.
1: I mean, he. What is it? I'm trying to think of like the, the timeline of events because. He. Capt. He gets. He he sac. Like he gives himself up.
0: Right, because Olga gets discovered, and so he gives himself up.
1: And he's like, "I'll give you the heart,
0: right, for her." That's kind. Of, that's his bargaining point. He has his son's heart.
1: Yeah, and then uh, he gets captured mm-hmm. and beaten and tortured or whatever. Right. And uh,
0: was it before this that he talked to his mother too?
1: I think this is before he talks to his mother. Okay, gotcha. I think so. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. No, because he gets. He's kind of hung up. He's Cause, strung Because he escapes and then right. he comes
1: out and then he talks to his mom. Yeah. Right? I yeah. Think.
0: I think you're so right. So yeah.
1: So he's, he's there hung up and some ravens fly in. Yep. And they peck at his ropes mm-hmm. and they free him. But he's still you know too weak to escape. Right. And we get this vision of a Valkyrie. Yeah, no, that does happen at that point, which was
0: really cool. I love the design of the Valkyrie.
1: And and it's it's made to appear as if this Valkyrie is saving him. Right. Spiriting him away. And when he wakes up, uh he realizes that it was no Valkyrie, it, it was Olga. Right. She saved him. Uh and then you you get that shot of the Valkyrie like riding through the air. Yeah. As it's like, up to Valhalla, As man. it's, like, screaming. Uh-huh. Oh.
0: No, I love that. Beautiful
1: and terrifying.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, I can't really remember if it's before or after. But, but Aunt, then eventually he yeah. he
1: goes and talks to he, – he finds his mom.
0: Yeah, he meets up with her and he finally gets the chance to get her alone. And that's when we kind of find out. The beginning of the story might not be as cut and dry as we thought it was. There's complications between how the king acted towards Fjolnir, how the king acted towards the queen. Um, We
1: find out that, I mean, it wasn't really like a secret or anything that the king was a very – was very much a Viking.
0: Right, uh, right. Very
1: much, you know, a warring man and uh, it's revealed that she wasn't like a – how do I put it? She didn't consent – yeah. To the marriage, exactly. Um. She was basically kidnapped and forced to become his bride. Right. And uh, she was
0: a slave or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, she pulls her. Yep. hmm Her shirt open and shows him her brand mark. Yep. Um. Mentions that like she never wanted to have Amleth.
0: Mm, yeah. It was that kind of hurt. Um. And this is the scene where Nicole Kidman really shines because. Yeah. She's a fucking psycho, dude. Dude, she comes
1: all out with it. She's like, yeah, I I was the one who told Fjolnir to kill your father. Yep. And to ensure that there would be no retribution, you had to die too. Yep. But now that you're here, what if you killed Fjolnir and then I married you? and she like kisses him
0: dude i was like holding my head <laughs> like i was it, like, like
1: a full on like tongue yeah it was fucked and Amleth is just like what
0: she just shook his whole world like saying your dad's a piece of shit and your mission is garbage it means nothing
1: by the way you can if you kill him anyway though i'll fuck you
0: and this is the dude who just wanted to save his mom. He wanted like he literally like, just wanted to save his mom. And then
1: like you find out and then the earth shadowing revela- revelation that she ordered his death to Yeah,
0: yep. That fucking hurt, dude.
1: And he's like, Well, that's that then.
0: Yeah, like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> so that just kind of twists everything around, you know, that kind of that created a turmoil in me. You know, I knew his dad was a Viking and whatever, but like
1: mm-hmm. How honorable is like? Obviously, you have to avenge your dad,
0: right? But so there's that. That's when it adds this kind of gray area, like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we kind of get to the conclusion. We find out that Amleth um, is bearing children with Olga, and yes. and Olga's like, "Let's go, let's get out of here. Kindness for your kin, you yeah. know." Um,
1: At this point, uh, A- Amleth has uh, killed. His his mother, right? She attacks him after he like refuses her request, and he cuts her down. And then, as like like oh, immediately God, right yeah. after he cuts her, after he she she stabs him. The ten year old boy leaps up on Amleth out Gosh. of nowhere and just dude, stabs he's gotta him. Got to stab him like six fucking times, yeah, man! dude. Stabs him like six times, and then. Amleth just throws the kid off and cuts him down. Yep. (laughs) Very, very visceral. Very, very brutal. Right. And then, like, right after that, uh, Fjolnir walks in and sees it and tells him, you know, I'm going to bury my kin. Right. I will meet you at the gates of hell. And it's it's game time. Yeah, dude. We're we're in the end game now. And then yes, he he meets back up with Olga. Mm-hmm. Finds out he's having twins, and yep. she says, "Let's go." And it's just so powerful, like their speech between each this other, just little
0: interaction that they have. Yeah. But Amleth kinda comes to the conclusion. He says, I, I I fooled myself even thinking that I could run away from my destiny. It's
1: I think it's the fact that he's having kids that makes him decide like I can't just leave.
0: Because he said, like I did, Fuel Near's gonna come for my kin. If anything if something happens to me.
1: I choose both.
0: Yeah. He mm-hmm. says. Yeah.
1: And he he dives off their boat, tells tells the men to uh take her to some place i can't remember exactly where
0: yeah somewhere he knew yeah where he had like he had like family that
1: she could rely on right um and he goes to meet fjolnir at the gates of hell at which is an active volcano
0: dude shit was badass such a cool ending fight scene. Come on, dude.
1: They're both, like, fucking naked.
0: Yeah, dude. It's like the, it's the most primal
1: warrior shit I've ever seen. Covered in ash. ash and soot and Oh, my God. Blood. Yep. And, oh, my God, this fight is just...
0: Powerful, dude. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, just watching them clash blades and get hits on each other. It's so, uh, I said it earlier, but visceral is, is a good word to describe it.
0: And the setting was perfect. You know, it's cloudy in there, it's just so dark. The then cinematography.
1: Then
0: the... We're literally on Mustafar, dude. Dude, no, it, like it feels like it,
1: legit. Straight up. Um, and then we get that final shot of they come at each other one last time. Yep. Amleth. Cuts Fionnir's head off in Mm -hmm. one fucking swing. Beautiful. But Fionnir has pierced Amleth's heart. Yep. With his sword. And so Fionnir's head's off his body. Amleth drops to the ground. And he gets like one last vision Mm -hmm. of the Tree of Kings. Yeah. And he sees his children. And he sees Olga. I take that as a
0: win for him, oh, even though absolutely. he didn't win.
1: I think he. D- I think he did win
0: in that way, for sure. I
1: mean, he got his family. The owner
0: has no kid
1: left, dude. Nobody. No, there's. No, he closed the cycle. Straight up. There's nobody left to avenge. This shit's crazy, man. And so he dies, and he's welcomed into Valhalla. Yep. Uh huh. We dying get to see in battle, the battle, yep. and the Valkyrie appears. Oh dude. And then you get we get that shot of again of them riding up like into the yeah. the moon slash mm. Valhalla slash tree of kings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What a fucking movie, man. So I mean
1: insane. He he
0: says that it's a story that appeals that can appeal to everyone, and that's true, but there's also so much more to it than that. Yes. It's so much, so much more than just it. a
1: revenge tale
0: right and it's not like big viking crazy battles the whole time it's a lot of sneaking around the city making or this little village and making things happen um and and turning the tides against these guys it's just really cool you know it had a lot of surprises that i didn't expect oh yeah and it also delivered on every level that i needed it to I've heard people say this movie's boring, and it makes my head explode. I don't
1: understand that at all, honestly.
0: Like every shot in this thing has a purpose and in a in and in an intent. It, it was it shot so beautifully, even when there's nothing happening. Yeah, I I just I'm I'm like glued to that screen. I was blown
1: away. Right. All the performances are so. You've
0: Got a shotgun so of good. dopamine in the face after this movie, dude. Yeah.
1: I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, not like immediately after. Like, well, the credits are rolling. You're sitting there just like...
0: Taking it in.
1: But like, yeah, no, watching them movie about the, is the so The huge,
0: good. wide landscape shots of Iceland. There's always snowy mountains. There's big, lush, green fields filling the background. It's, it's just...
1: so good.
0: Everything about it, man. I absolutely loved this movie. Like I said, it's it's almost got to be in my top five.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's definitely... My movie of the year right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure, dude. Most definitely. Um, If you think the lighthouse is a little too abstract, a little too obscure for you, I'm going to go ahead and say watch The Northman. 100% watch The Northman. Other than that, I think that's what we got for this episode.
1: Hell yeah!
0: Thanks so much for coming on and talking, as always, man. I oh, appreciate dude, it. I'm
1: happy to be here.
0: Awesome conversation about Robert Eggers. We need to get uh, Andrew to watch The Witch now. To go <laughs> yeah. back to his first movie.
1: Oh my god! And see
0: how he uses a four million dollar
1: budget. Dude, it's gonna be insane. But yeah, I'm down.
0: <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, thank you, Andrew. Thank, thank you, you, you to Davis Woodring with Six Two Six Sound for making all of this possible, the as main always. Man. Absolutely, my main dude. Stick around for more, guys. We've got more episodes on the way. We've got more topics. We're going to start talking about more things involving games, comic books, um, scripts, all that kind of fun stuff. So stick around, guys.